Christian Revelations is a completely free podcast for the new Christian looking to learn more about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and how to implement His teachings in our lives and the world today. And for the older Christian looking to dig deeper into the Word of God, edification, and the fellowship of the body of Christ. And now our host, Pastor Robert. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to come into your house and worship you openly, Lord. I thank you for your presence and your comfort in our lives. I thank you for all that you do as you walk beside us and lead us in this life. No matter how we fail, you are always there with us and we are truly grateful for that. As always, Lord, I thank you for the gift of your Son and the gift of salvation and the grace that is freely given to us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This morning we'll be reading Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. But before we get to that, do any of us ever get discouraged, depressed, depleted, feeling like we've been defeated? Most of us probably have at one time or another in our lives. But what then? I used to be a movie buff. I watched so many movies, I could have been considered a researcher for movie critics. That's all I did. I spent my time watching TV shows on Netflix and movies. Looking back, it was a really boring life. But now, ever since what my father would call my volcanic transformation, I've turned TV maybe twice. When I'm writing sermons, sometimes I look back at my favorite movies and see if I can find a correlation between what I want to talk about and them to connect, make us understand things in a different way. It's not often that I find it, but this time I did. In the movie Lord of the Rings, Frodo reaches the slopes of Mount Doom only to collapse. And his journey is almost complete. His goal was in sight, but he just couldn't go on. We're prepared for a victory of good over evil, but it seems like evil might win. But Sam, Frodo's faithful companion, pleads with him to get up. He tells him, I can't do it for you, but I can pick you up and take you there. Exhausted as he was, Sam lifted Frodo up and carried him to the heart of Mount Doom where victory was won over evil. Sooner or later, we are all Frodo's. We are all feeling destroyed and defeated, and we are in need of a Sam. Someone who will pick us up and carry us. That appears to be the norm nowadays. Things are kind of going in the situation where everybody needs some carrying. But there is good news. We often have the opportunity to be a Sam. And we should take every single chance that we have to be that person who carries somebody else. We should look for the opportunities 
to be that person. Trust me, they are everywhere. Which brings us to our reading, Ephesians 4, starting at verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of all who is above all and through all. Oh, yeah, I missed the line, sorry. Of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave to be some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of fullness in Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, and may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth, of the body for the edifying of itself in love. This morning, we will be focusing on one of those words that we just read, edifying. Our English word edify comes from the same root word as edifice. Edifice is a building. An edifice is something that is built up and when we edify a person, we build that person up. All of us need edifying at some time or another in our lives. And the good news is, is there is a huge market for edifiers. And we should all strive to be one. Amen. Too many people believe that edification of a person is the instruction in or the teaching of something previously not known. Though the definition of edify includes the word instruct, edification is not education. In 1 Corinthians 8.1, we read, Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. The Amplified Bible puts that same verse this way. Now about food sacrificed to idols... We know that we all have knowledge concerning this. Knowledge alone makes people self-righteously arrogant, but love that unselfishly seeks the best for other 
others, builds up and encourages others to grow in wisdom. The act of edifying or the state of being edified is a building process, especially morally, emotionally, and spiritually. Education is the process of imparting knowledge, skill, and judgment. There is a Bible character named Barnabas, whose name means son of encouragement. Acts 4.36 says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. To join his ranks as sons and daughters of encouragement is to align ourselves with positive people. Edifying someone is the most edifying thing that we can do. And encouraging someone is the most encouraging thing that we can do. It is in these times that we realize the meaning of the expression, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. It is in the giving that we receive. It is therapeutic. It is edifying. When we get ourselves off our mind and our mind off ourselves, then we can see all of the opportunities around us to help others, to take care of others, to lift each other up. Charlie Brown once asked Lucy, why are we here? Lucy replied, to serve other people. After thinking over the answer, Charlie replied in a manner that might sound like many of us. He said, well, why are other people here? We seem more interested in the last question of Charlie without giving enough thought to the reply of Lucy, to serve other people. There was a remarkable edifier in Bermuda, Johnny Barnes, who passed away in July 2016, got up at 3.40 a.m. every day and went to the Crow Lane Roundabout. Until 10 a.m. in the morning, he was waving to every passerby, shouting, God bless you, and I love you. He did this every single day for 20 years. The locals appreciated and enjoyed him so much that they erected a life-sized bronze statue of him to carry on his tradition after he passed away. Now, there Probably won't be any bronze statues of us erected anywhere, but we can still do our best to manifest the spirit of encouragement and be a Sam or a Barnabas or a Johnny Barnes, be an edifier. The world does a very good job at tearing us down and beating us down, so good, in fact, that it does not need our help. The heavy-laden and sin-soaked world that we live in will press down on us until we've been beaten to the ground. But it shouldn't be this way for Christians. Even though we are in the world, we are not of this world. But the world will still attack us and will still try to tear us down. The Apostle Paul writes to the church, in Thessalonians 5.11, 
Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you are also doing. And Jude writes in Jude 1.20, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Paul writes in the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 12, 19, again, do you think that we excuse ourselves to you? We speak before Christ, before God in Christ, but we do all things, beloved, for your edification. This is what building one another looks like. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may, be, may impart grace to its hearers. We should never be tearing down one another, but always be building each other up. Amen. The word edify is the same thing as building up, and the Greek word that the Apostle Paul uses means to build a house, to erect, to build a building, to build up as in a structure, an edifice, an architect, to confirm, confirmation, to establish, to be a house builder. Are we seeing a theme? This is perfectly fitting because as the world is so busily beating us down, we also should be encouraging other Christians and building each other up. There's an, and there is no reason to think that it's only building up other Christians. We should be building up all those who are weary and heavy laden. Today we understand the word edify or edification means the act of one who promotes another's growth in Christian wisdom, piety, happiness, holiness, and blessedness. And this is the way that Paul uses it in 1 Corinthians 10.23. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are edifying. He acknowledges that some things don't edify or build up. And if they don't build up, even though we have grace to do certain things, then they actually are tearing down, which is just the opposite of what God desires of us. Again, the root word for edify is the same as edifice, like that of a building foundation or a face or a structure. When speaking of the church, that building is the body of Christ. We have a music worship leader in our church, Bob, who's probably one of the most joyous people in our church, especially when he is leading the music. He literally shouts out praises in, in the worship songs, and that's just one of his strengths. Just as Nehemiah wrote in Nehemiah 8.10, And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. We encourage him, and we build him up with sincere compliments 
because he does a good job in our church, in the building up of our members. Music in church, especially singing, is very, very important. It prepares our hearts for the Word of God, and it, hopefully it gives us all the joy and the energy that we need to stay awake while the pastor's preaching. <laughs> I'm not sure if any of you have noticed, but I've dozed off twice since I've been up here. <clears throat> we should be complimenting and building each other up every chance that we get. That's how we make it through our week and back here every Sunday. The reason it's so important to edify one another is expressed in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. According to Vine's expository dictionary of the Old and New Testament words, the word edify indicates a promotion of spiritual growth and a development of character in the believer. It suggests a spiritual progress as the result of patient labor. Edification is admittedly more than just encouragement. It includes any activity that results in being more Christ-like, either in ourselves or in another believer. Edification may be individual or corporate. Individually, we can edify ourselves by participating in various spiritual disciplines like reading our Bible, like prayer and private worship. But generally, the concept of edification in the New Testament is applied to the body of the church. It is mutual edification. Mutual edification involves helping one another along the road to being more Christ-like. And it requires the participation of every member of the church. Teaching and preaching improve our understanding of the Word of God, but encouragement or edification promotes conduct that develops Christ-like behavior. When we exhort one, another's, one another and hold one another accountable, we are led to engage in activities that promote godliness. Accountability means we lovingly check each other's spiritual progress. Christ-like service ensures that the needs of the church are met, and the true fellowship is the interaction that we have with each other on a deeper, more spiritual level. The corporate nature of edification cannot be overemphasized. Without mutual edification, the church becomes a collection of spiritual weaklings, a perpetual nursery for spiritual infants, rather than a body or a building. Paul tells us that edification is one of the reasons that spiritual gifts are given to believers. In 2 Corinthians, Paul states no fewer than three times 
that the building up of the church is the reason for his apostolic authority. Paul's goal was to edify. In 1 Corinthians 10.23 and Ephesians 4.16, he states that the church must work to edify itself for the overall health of each member. Finally, each of us is commanded to engage in edification. Romans 14.19 says, Therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Romans 15.2 says, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. The church exists in community. Throughout the New Testament, the language is full of cooperative or community-like images. The church is described as Jesus' flock, his body, his building. None of these metaphors hint at an individual entity. Paul expounds on this concept in 1 Corinthians 12, describing the interdependence of the body parts and the necessity for each part. He goes so far as to say that we're actually members of one another. Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. The Gothic Ark is a very popular structure in medieval architecture. The primary advantage of the Ark is its strength and its stability, which is derived from the fact that each stone of the Ark is leaning on the one beside it. The system of mutual support enabled the construction of much larger structures than they had ever thought possible. Like the Gothic Ark, we need one another, and this gives the church its strength. And the minute we decide to stop leaning on each other, we will fall. It's not about the pastor or the deacons or the choir or the teachers. It's about the church as a whole learning to lean on each other for strength and learning to build each other up. I heard a humorous yet sad story about a man that came down to the breakfast table one Sunday morning, and he said to his mother that he wasn't going to church that morning. His mother said, come on, you go to church every morning. You have to go to church this morning. He said, no, I've been thinking about it. And I just don't want to go anymore. She said, well, give me two good reasons why you shouldn't go to church. He said, well, I realized that I don't really like the people there that much. And I've also realized that they really don't like me either. That's ridiculous, she said. Okay, give me two reasons why I should go to church. Okay, she said. I'll give you two reasons. First, you're 44 years old. And second, you're the pastor of that church. 
There were a lot of believers in the church at Corinth who could have identified with this man because that church struggled with unity, with their sense of identity, and with their place and purpose in the church. They also battled, battled over what should be the priorities in worship and the purpose of their worship service. Fighting and complaining doesn't help build the church. It is usually what succeeds in tearing it down. Every member of the church should be involved in the productive growth of the church, not trying to systematically dismantle it because we don't like the carpet, the worship style, the lights, or the paint. Every member from the pulpit to the pew should be concerning themselves with the edification of the church. If not for the other members of the church, do it for God. Do it for Jesus. And if for no other reason, then that's what they told us to do. 1 Corinthians 14.26 says, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a song, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Any consideration of what Christians do when they meet together must be taken seriously with the New Testament teaching about edification. Paul's instruction to the Thessalonians put it simply, encourage one another, build each other up. His teaching in 1 Corinthians 14 makes it clear that edifying or building the church should be the foundation of everything we say and do together. But it is very easy for us to misinterpret the apostle and to think of edification as only spiritual advancement of an individual or as something that's purely intellectual. There is an important survey about Christian literature that shows how quickly the individualistic understanding of the terminology became predominant in our church. And it stems from when Christianity met Gnosticism. For those who don't know, Gnosticism says that humans are divine souls trapped in ordinary physical or material world. They say the world is made by imperfect spirits, and the imperfect spirit is thought to be the same as the God of Abraham. And they convince us of our individualism. It is all about me. Me. I tell you me. The apostle uses the terminology of edification to oppose individualism, either in the ethical sphere or in the sphere of congregational ministry. His concern is that Christians should strengthen and encourage one another in faith and in love, always having in view God's purpose for his people. Paul's teaching about edification takes on an important dimension as he relates it to 
the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine of the church. Although edification is a principle that should govern the thinking and behavior of Christians in all circumstance, Paul references is usually to the activities of Christian assembly. When Christians gather together to minister to one another the truth of God in love, the church is manifested, the church is maintained and advanced in God's way. That is a situation in which edification essentially and fundamentally takes place when we assemble together, when we build each other up for the betterment of the church as a whole. But even in the affairs of everyday life, as they are related to one another and to unbelievers, Christians should be concerned for the edification of the church. The act of edification does include instruction, but the reality of edification is that it is the building up of the church. It is a family a church coming together to carry each other when we need to be carried, to support each other, to grow the church in ways that it may have never grown before. It is the job of every member to help build up the church and to encourage its members to the ministry and most importantly, growth. Building something up means that it is growing. If we are not actively pursuing the growth of the church, then we are not actively edifying the church or its members. We should be asking ourselves some important questions. Do I actively edify this church or do I do nothing? Do I encourage the members and visitors of this church to help them grow closer to each other and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, or do I concentrate only on myself and my growth as a Christian? Should I volunteer my ideas for growth and improvement, or should I just complain when I see my ideas that I didn't tell anybody about not being implemented? <laughs> do I use my gifts to help edify the church and its members, or do I just sit back and comment on the lack of edification? Those all sound pretty much like the same question, and that's because they are. We are all either actively involved in edification of the church, or we are not. There are four rules that apply to edification, and they are all found in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Let all that you do be done with love. 1 Corinthians 14, 40. Let all things be done decently and in order. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. How is it, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation? Let all things be done for edification. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 7. 
Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. It is our job to build this church. It is our job to build each other up and take care of each other. When someone needs something, that is what we are here for. We are here to help each other. And if we are not expressing our needs, if we are not trying to actively help people, then we are missing out on what really church is about. We are sitting in the pew, listening to some guy with long hair spout boring things, and then we go home, and we probably complain about his hair. But we should be thinking more about our family in this church. What is happening to those who are not here right now? Are they doing well? Are we thinking of ways to edify this church and build this church up so when everybody can come back, it is a place worth coming back to? This place was left by Pastor Rollins full of an amazing love that I have never seen in any place on the planet. And I've been in lots of places. And it's important that we keep it that way. It is not one person's job to do it. It is all of our jobs to grow this church in love. We are truly grateful to you chosen to join us here today at Christian Revelations. We hope you were just as blessed in receiving the message as we were in preparing and delivering it. We welcome you back anytime with open arms, open hearts, and open Bibles with your host, Pastor Robert. Blessings.